bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Corinne Ninja podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Ninja, and this week... We are talking to Shannon Farrell. Oh, my gosh. Now, this is different from last week because we did do a lot of talking together. Shannon's story is incredible. It's just so much it may be hard to digest because like many of us when we have a chronic disease or a lot of chronic ill health, and it's been a long – we've told the stories a hundred times or a thousand times, it's very easy for just to blurt it all out and then – not pull it apart and unpack it because you just assume everyone kind of understands. So it's we had to just keep pausing and go backtracking in this episode because there is just so much to unpack. Shannon has like she's had more than her fair share of chronic illness and chronic di- illness diagnosis and autoimmune disease and and everything. She has oh my gosh, she has overcome so much. And I never know how much to tell you in these introductions. Like if I want to tell you the whole story, but then it's not, you know, I don't want to put you off listening. But Shannon has, is, is a nurse, um, has worked in healthcare for 32 years. She then had a devastating back injury in her late 30s after being very healthy and fit for all of her life. And that back injury injury kind of set off a trigger for multiple severe chronic illness diagnoses. There are just so many, you know, from diabetes to lupus. There's so much Hashimoto's. There's just allergies, heart issues. There's just so much for a young mum to deal with, a mother of young children to deal with, so much illness and heartbreak. And so, yeah, to hear her and see her and know that, that is in the past for her, is truly inspirational. That resilience and that resourcefulness within her, that internal resilience and resourcefulness that she has found within her and used to continually, you know, get up each day. When you're in that state of misdiagnoses and ill health and just despair and fear every day to Get the courage and the strength to get up and make that better choice for your health. It can feel impossible. And every guest on this show has been there. And if you're there now and you're like, like I am at the bottom, at the rock bottom, I don't think I can do anything. I'm just going to do what I'm doing. Uh, or it's impossible. It's not just Please just be compassionate and loving and kind to yourself on your journey. And tr- and I, I highly, I can't stress enough to connect with others. You know, f- connect with others online. If you can only get, if you can't leave the house, connect with others. Get your care. If you have a carer, get your carer to take you out. If you have a family member, if you don't drive anymore, if you have a partner who can take you out to meet like-minded people with meetups and or. PBNSG, I mentioned that last week, pbnsg.org, plant-based nutrition support groups. 
Plant powered Melbourne, plant powered Ballarat. I'm trying to start one in plant powered Dandenong Ranges, but just you have to wait for me while I sort that out. But there's plant powered Gold Coast. I can't stress enough how much community can help you, even if you feel like there's no hope for you right now. Connecting with people, even if you think I'm you're in total introvert and the, the thought of that terrifies you, connect with people online first and then just build from there. Um, ask people for help. Ask for support. People love helping people in general. So ask for support. But um, yes, here is Shannon's story. I hope that you love it as much as I loved hearing it. And I'll see you all at the end of the show. Hello, Shannon, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Now, I know that a mutual friend of ours, Jim Bowler, Jim, mm-hmm. is it Bowler? I've forgotten how to speak. Yeah, Jim Bowler. Jim Bowler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he recommended that you I interview you for the show and reach out to you and told me that you had an incredible story and I love an incredible story. So I um, was really keen to get you on the show. So thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show and share your story. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. So where, where, where does the story begin? So my story begins. Um, so I am, uh, I've worked in healthcare for 32 years. I'm a nurse and I'm a clinical educator. And um, about seven years ago, I was managing a cardiac rehab unit um, for the local hospital in southeastern Michigan. And um, I love my job. I was very passionate about it. Um, and I, uh, my story actually does begin about 12 years ago when I was very critically ill. Um, I was predominantly in a wheelchair, didn't walk very much. Um, I took 26 medications. Um, I had aggressive forms of lupus, diabetes. Um, and of course, like the more medications that uh, my practitioner put me on, uh, the more diseases I developed and the more ill I became. Um, I was diagnosed with postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome and autonom- autonomic dysfunction. Sorry, I've never heard of the first one that you just, the, the first illness that you just listed, pas- pastoral. Uh, POTS, P-O-T-S, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Orthostatic? Yep. Tachycardic? Tachycardia syndrome. Mm-hmm. Pastoral orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And what happens with pastoral orthostatic tachycardia syndrome? So what would happen to me is that I'd be sitting in the chair and I'd feel like normal and I'd go to stand and I would just have a syncopal episode. So what happens is, is when you're sitting, your heart rates are more normal. But when you stand um, in a POTS diagnosis, they elevate uh, 30 beats up. So at least 30 beats. So I would be sitting and let's say my heart rate was like 80, but I would go to stand and my heart rates would jump up to like 150, 160. And so the blood volume can't shift quickly. Um, And so a lot of people have syncopal episodes. Uh, so I was passing out all the time. So, um, there's not a lot of doctors back in the day that knew, uh, what was going on or could provide treatment or causative of, you know, what's the causation of it. So I ended up going from doctor to doctor to doctor, um, trying to figure out what was wrong and nobody ever asked what's the cause of it or what is up. 
So I, they started putting me on all these medications like steroids and all these different heart medications. Um, so I started gaining a lot of weight very quickly. Um, I got to where I couldn't stand much. I was crawling um, pretty much everywhere in the house um, because I didn't want to pass out. Um, I wore a helmet in some parts of all of this because I didn't want to hit my head and have another concussion. Um, and so I quickly uh, gained uh, for, you know, large amounts of weight, 80 pounds. Uh, so of course I developed diabetes. Um, and then the lupus diagnosis came along with that. Um, and then I developed a series of allergies, uh, mast cell activation disorder, um, then followed that. Uh, so I got to where I couldn't eat anything. I was allergic to a lot of things. Um, and not only that, when you are n normally very fit and playing soccer, I was very athletic. Um, and you start gaining all this weight, what happens is you get very, very depressed. Um, and so I developed depression, anxiety. Um, I, you know, met my friend, which is not a friend of eating disorders. So I developed like definitely binge eating disorders. Um, and so I just was failing. And so at one point they tried me on 48 medications um, and I failed uh, those 48. I ended up on 26, which was just a cocktail. Um, my, uh, from the lupus, I had very aggressive lupus. Uh, and so um, I started having issues with like my mouth, my jaw, um, my kidneys, um, my skin, and then of course my heart and my lungs. Um, so I was just a mess. And I sat down with an, a, dis a disability attorney because all my doctors just kept saying, just apply for disability, just apply for disability. And I was just like, okay, because they all believed that I was disabled. Um, so I was actually granted it. Um, and so when I was there in the attorney's office and I was realizing, like, what you're going to get for disability, and I'm somebody that I um, – went to school, I graduated with no debt, even my recent degree in no debt. So I'm somebody that's where I were, was a respiratory therapist. Then I went right back to nursing school um, and worked full time for the majority of that time in nursing school. So I'm used to, the, you know, not sleeping um, and things like that. And so to be told you're disabled, I was mm. just like, I didn't like kill myself to go to nursing school to not work. Um, and so I actually refused to sign it. Um, and I walked out of there. So uh, my family was upset with me, and I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to figure this out. There has to be a way for me to figure it out. Can I just pause you there? Like, there's so much, <laughs> so yeah. much. I just want to go back before, before all the diagnoses and, like, what was happening, like, how, how old were you when this first started, like your first major illness started? Uh, late 30s. Yeah, so I'm 50. Um, and what happened was how this all started was I was playing soccer. I, my kids grew up on the soccer field, basically. I was playing soccer and um, someone tripped me and I went flying and um, blew out L4 to 5. Um, and so I was committed to healing my back naturally without surgery so I went through an aggressive um, physical therapy program. And throughout the physical therapy program, my back started getting better, but 
my overall health started declining rapidly. Um, so that's when all this started happening. And I just was a soccer player. And about six months later, I was in a wheelchair. Wow. So what was your diet and lifestyle like prior to, to your back injury? So I've always ate healthfully, I would say, um, you know, bet, way better than the standard American diet. Um, we did eat, uh, um, I had experimented with vegetarian and veganism when I was, I would say early thirties, but I did go back. I, I would definitely have called myself a flexitarian. Mm. So I was, um, predominantly plant based, maybe flexitarian one to two times. And um, everyone would tell you that I would prefer to eat real food. When I got so ill, the doctors convinced me, and I was, you know, passing out all the time, in and out of the hospital. They convinced me that my diet was uh, hurting me. And so I started eating meat, but I've never been a fan of um, red meat, never was a fan of any of that. But I would say, especially as my disorder progressed, my diet became very poor. Mm. So, yeah. This happens a lot, and I think that we don't really speak about it enough because when you, when you, well, you know, by you, I mean whoever, <laughs> when yeah. me, you, when you become really chronically unwell, firstly, especially, especially because your brain, for me, my brain, was struggling so hard with depression and misery and grief and loss and fatigue and all these things. It's it's very difficult to make. Well, first of all, to have the en- the energy to make those decisions, and then the energy to follow through on the food on the meal prep for that type of whole plant food. And so it take it takes a lot um, and and often support to to help you make those choices because for me the choices when I was sick were always convenience foods right mm-hmm. that yeah. were super easy and those foods tend to be you know highly processed highly refined and include meat you know dairy eggs you know omelets and things like that which take not very long but now you know as you go as you go along the journey I've learned you know put a, put a spud in the put a spud in the oven and it's just as easy but when your brain is in that constant state of brain fog and fear and uh-huh. hopelessness, it's very hard to be thinking from that place, especially if you've never tried that before in your life and it's all right. new. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, um, yeah, just all of it became convenience foods and um, which is so unlike me, you know. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I had I define brain fog. Uh, mm. I there's gaps in that time when I was so ill. I don't remember things and remember gaps of time. Um, I, I've seen pictures of me at events and uh, that I would go to like with the kids when I was not walking much. Um, I don't remember the event at all or, you know, and it's, it's tough. You know, I never thought that would be me ever, you know? Yeah. Especially when you were, sounds like you were so healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you injured your back, and then you were trying to heal it naturally. And right. so, how did things go from a back injury to wheelchair? Yeah. So I was in therapy for the back, 
And I started noticing some neurological things, like things weren't making sense. Um, and so I would go into a physical therapist and they would pass me from physical therapist at the physical therapist doing all these assessments. And they just realized like it was the beginning of some autonomic things. Um, and nobody could quite put their hands on it of what was happening. Um, and now when I go back and I, um, look at all of this, it was like a huge sign. I wish someone had known. Um, but it took me six years to get a diagnosis and I have Ehlers-Danlos. Um, so that actually, I manifest a lot as the autonomic issues. Mm. Um, so yeah, and like uh, Tim Kaufman has Ehlers-Danlos yeah. syndrome. Yeah, and so I was having dislocations and not really realizing it. And I've always been super flexible. Um, I still can like, without even working out, can put my legs behind my head. That's one benefit. Yes, yeah, one benefit. I'm very flexible. Party tricks you're handy for. Yep. Yes. So, but it was, um, so nobody knew, uh, what was going on with me. So they just kept throwing medications, throwing medications at me. So, and Tim's story, I don't, you know, I didn't, I think you're the third guest on this show with Ella's Danlos syndrome. Yeah. And I'd never heard of it before. Hermione was the guest, I'm fairly certain, who had Alice Danlos. Did you hear her story? No, I actually, Tim just told me about hers and he says, listen to it. So, yeah, and I'd never heard of it. And obviously, I've just said, you know, I've said a really flippant comment about party, party tricks, but I mean, this condition. You know, having all these dislocations and all this hypermobility in your joints, it actually sounds so painful and I'd never heard of it. And I, I think it's important for people to learn about these conditions that aren't in the mainstream so that we can well, carry some more empathy and try and be a little bit more understanding to people who may also be going through this because it sounds so painful and frightening to not know when your joints are going to dislocate yes yeah and I had because I had played sports all my life like I remember when I was young my mom did try me in gymnastics and all of a sudden she pulled me out of it and I'm like you know even 10 years ago I asked her why did you and she said they told me you were too much of a liability and it was because I was dislocating oh wow yeah so soccer worked for me uh even though a lot of people don't and like with Tim, he never really started showing issues until he was, I think, a young adult. Mm. Um, and I just always was able to overcompensate it. Now I either am so stiff because of the scar tissue or I um, have to be careful because I have done some dance teaching and I really have to be careful because I will uh, dislocate bones in my feet very quickly. So, yeah, I can't um, dance any longer without shoes on. I have to have a shoe and a tight shoe on. Oh, yeah. Well, it's good that at least when you were saying that, I was thinking, well, dancing must be out for you. But I, I'm I'm glad to hear that there are like footwear that you can use that allows you to keep dancing but minimizes the risks of the dislocation. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's yep. a real relief because I would hate, you know, I, I have nothing to compare 
with you, but I had an Achilles injury a little while ago and I couldn't run and I love running and I couldn't run for 12 months. Wow, yeah. And, you know, when you love something like dance or you love physical, like soccer or, you know, whatever, and it's taken from you suddenly. And that's, for many of us that, you know, get into something physical like that, having it taken away, it feels, you know, it feels like a really immense loss. Yes, it does. Yeah, I I grieved because um, I did... Um tear my ACL when I, when I was on the, finally on the road to recovery, I tore my ACL and what I, t- I grieved, I grieved oh, yeah. of being able to be physical. And I compared it to you're on the sidelines and you're watching the soccer ball roll across you and your body just can't get to it. And that's what I said when, you know, when you lose something like that, it's, it's definitely, uh, you do grieve it. Yeah, I think that we, not to get all woo-woo on everyone, but I am getting more and more woo-woo in my old age. But um, <laughs> but for me, those things, they are um, like a spiritual release. Do you know what they I mean? Like there's, a, like there's a catharsis that's in that movement of your body and that those hormones being released. And it feels, for me, running makes me feel free. You know, right. and and I'm sure soccer and dance makes you feel free. And when it's, it's like it's literally like being like no, it's not. It's not literally like that's the wrong word, but it is kind of like being in, imprisoned in your body, and your body is not right. allowing mm-hmm. you access to the things that bring you the most joy. If that makes right. sense, yes. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's awful. So, oh my gosh, if ACL after having this, after having a terrible back injury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Oh my yeah. gosh, I really feel for you. So, how did you heal from that? Because I had, was on the right track, I had put myself when I um, realized that I needed to drop the weight, I needed to get healthier. Um, I had put myself on uh, definitely uh, what do you call it, autoimmune protocol diet, so I was weaning down all of the bad things, um, and so I, I had lost like forty pounds, was doing good, and with having forty pounds off, I could run better. Um, and then I decided to start playing soccer again and I was only back to playing maybe, uh, like one to two days a week and then rupture my ACL. Uh, so that was just so heartbreaking. Um, but I had an awesome support system at work. Um, I went back to work 10 days after, uh, you know, having the surgery, um, because I knew I needed to be out and be social with people. And so, um, it was a, a longer recovery, and I had decided that I, you know, at some point, you know, uh, you don't want to play soccer anymore because you get keep getting hurt. So I then um, converted to running. Um, so I never was a runner before, even though I played soccer at both the high school and college level. Uh, didn't enjoy running. I thought it was more of a chore, and I actually loved it. I mean, I started, like, you know, run-walk methods so uh, one day when I was in the cardiac rehab unit, I had looked up at the TV and um, I saw Dr. Joel Kahn, who's a friend of mine. I worked with him uh, about 13 He's years a good ago. guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. And he was on the TV with Paul Chetlin and um, they were talking about the plant-based nutrition support group. 
And I had um, two patients that were in my cardiac rehab unit that just struggled with angina. So angina, some people call it, or angina. Um, and they were on all the big-name medicines and still struggling with it. And they were both healthy. Um, both of them uh, had a heart attack while running a 5K or after running a 5K. And so I um, looked up at them, and I knew they had the means to be able for a support system and to be able to have resources to go plant-based. And I looked, and I said, you guys should go tonight. And they had formed a friendship uh, that still continues. And I said, you guys should go to this support group meeting. And they said, no, Shannon, you got to go. Well, I was flying to Florida the very next day, um, and I says, I can't go, but I'm going to call you guys and see how it went. And so when I got back from Florida, they were just giddy about, they both had gone plant-based. They looked amazing. Their skin looked better. They said they had less angina, even though it had only been, I think, 10 days at that point. And so um, I had called Paul and I said, hey, I want to come to one of the meetings and check it out. And my patients had given him my phone number. And so he actually came to our cardiac rehab unit, to our support group, and spoke to all the patients, and we had, I think, 100 people show up, and who he spoke the most to was me, Um, and he was like, you know, because I still had, like, rosacea at that time, Um, I developed that, Uh, and so I still was breaking out like a teenager, it was horrible, Um, and on medications for that, and so I was just like, you know what, yep, so I actually came home that day and said, hey, to my non-former spouse, I says, hey, I'm going plant-based, and I'm, this is it. I'm never going back. And he looked at me, and he goes, okay, do what you got to do. Um, and so I actually uh, went, I've not turned back at all. So when was that? How long ago? Uh, I In August, it was six years. So I'm six and a half years in, basically. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, August. It was August the 1st, and so I went uh, whole food plant-based. Um, so total, I lost 85. Um, I got down to where I just take three medications now. Um, so I, I'm on two thyroid medications um, because in all of that, when I was so ill, my thyroid ate itself. Um, and so I had Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and um so I don't have any thyroid tissue that remains. So I do take uh, Synthroid and Cytomel, which is the T3. And then I have um, just, I take a very low dose beta blocker. Um, and the reason why I do take um, that is uh, most of the time my heart rates act fine. They're in control, no issues. Um but the reason why I take it is when I exercise or run, my heart rates will go from a resting heart rate of 60 and I'll go to 180 easily when I'm running. So I take a low dose beta blocker that actually helps with the ceiling of that. So I won't go as high. So, and that is, I could be as fit as can be. It makes no difference. So I just take that for the, that reason. So, wow. Can I, I, we've, been talking for 24 minutes and it's been a yeah. little 
There's just so much in your story. And so Jim yeah. was absolutely right to say that you have such an incredible story because it absolutely is incredible. But just looking at your timeline, so when you were in your early 30s, you hurt your back and then you said that things went, you know, you hurt your back, then you went into a wheelchair. Just wanting to, to talk about where, like, you know, you got, you ha- you've had lupus, Hashimoto's, diabetes, yeah. Like when was the first, what was the first diagnosis of chronic illness that came after you hurt your back? Uh, the first episode, um, you know, I was misdiagnosed a lot. Mm, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So at 38 is when I had the back injury. Mm. Um, and I just was a mess. So I... Um, would say the first diagnosis I diagnosed myself was postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. They didn't know what what I had. They just were grasping at straws. And I had heard about it. I had worked for Dr. Joel Kahn, and I heard of the disorder. I tested myself with it and then went to the cardiologist and said, hey, I need a tilt table test to confirm the diagnosis of POTS. And he was like, Shannon, I totally missed that. Um, And so, yeah. So I was diagnosed with that. Yes. Wow. Um, and so that was got, when you were about 40? About 40, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then where did things go from there? Because it seems like it was just a cascade of yeah. diagnoses after diagnoses after diagnoses. Is that? Yeah. They started to notice like I had it, it, adrenal insufficiency, that whole of that. Um, so they started putting me on all these steroids of multiple types. And um, so then I uh, developed diabetes. So adrenal insufficiency, what does that mean? So my body was just not producing the right hormones um, or not enough hormones. I went in like different spectrums of it. Um, and so they kept putting me on all different types of steroids, hoping that it would, you know, increase it or, you know, try to reduce inflammation. I just was like, they called me an inflammatory ball of hell. <laughs> so, and I was, um, yeah, like infl- talk about inflammation. I was the queen. It's really, your story to me, one thing I find really fascinating about about it is when like many of the doctors and nutritionists on this show and many you know just many of the guests as well we talk about you know the 80% let's say 80% of our of our immune function is stems from you know diet and our micro gut microbiome yeah. mm-hmm. you know but it sounds like from you that that it feels like, just for a minute, this is just my own, if you're listening, I'm not a doctor, I'm not an expert, just my own little musings about you. It seems like that 20%, and a lot of people talk about that. There's cases where people have you know, woken up with grey hair overnight from a trauma. Yeah. You know, it feels like your, tra- your traumatic back injury, that 20%, that massive trauma to your back, set off, uh, yeah, like I, literally an avalanche of chronic illness in your body, like trauma, traumatized your, yeah. mm-hmm. your body so severely that it, yeah. that's, that's, just, that's just looking from the outside in hearing your story. Like you were fine, going along, fit, healthy, and then whack. Like 
most guests on the show, you know, we have a lead up that's very obvious signposts. Mm-hmm. But yours was, seems like, for me listening in, like there was a, a big trauma, a tra- immense trauma, and then, mm-hmm. and then your body just kind of, just the you know, just completely malfunctioned. Yeah. It was like I was explaining it, the switch got flipped. And, you know, there's some disease states we have when you get that, like some genetic disorders, a switch gets flipped when someone's in their 40s or 50s or whatever. And that's the way all my doctors described it. They feel like I was able to overcompensate a lot because of my fitness and because of other things. And it was like that back injury just flipped the switch on me. And I just, yeah. it was a different person. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you, you had the adrenal insufficiency and then you were diagnosed with type 2 diabetes? Yeah, type 2. And, and what were the symptoms that led to that diagnosis for you? Uh, the symptoms were, I had the classic symptoms. I had, uh, you know, frequent urination, uh, an immense thirst that I could never quench. Um, you know, I would be sweating one moment, um, and then like angry. So I had a lot of like hypoglycemic swings. Um, and so, yeah, so they, uh, originally did a diet challenge on me. Um, and like through all of that too, like my triglycerides started just skyrocketing. Um, and my dad, uh, he ended up passing away at the age of 60 from cardiovascular disease and diabetes as well. And so that was a big concern for me. And then started with like the rosacea going on, like the really red cheeks, the cystic acne, um, in that sequencing. And then that led me to a rheumatologist who diagnosed me first with mixed connective tissue disorder. And then she did diagnose me with lupus. Um, so I ended up on meds for everything. And then, um, I, that next thing that happened was I had uh, a lot of issues with gastroparesis. So paralyzed stomach. Um, so I, got to be where I couldn't digest foods anymore. And so I was on (coughs) medications that are now have a black box warning on it. (coughs) But I, um, excuse me. I, uh, thank you. And so I, uh, was put on medications for that. And they talked about doing a gastric pacemaker and tube feeding, um, me, while everything else was progressing. And then the next thing that happened to me was I've developed mast cell activation disorder, so MCAD, um, and I got to be where I was, like, allergic to everything. I just want to stop, pause for one second because I'm just, I just am aware that you've, there's so much. And with lupus, I just want to go back to your lupus diagnosis. And first is, first is if you want to explain what lupus is because I just don't know if everyone knows. Now, I'm aware and some listeners will be aware of what lupus is. But what does lupus do in the body and what were your symptoms? So lupus um, is a autoimmune disorder. Um, so in autoimmune disorders, the body attacks the body. And in some autoimmune disorders like Hashimoto's thyroiditis, the body attacks the body as uh, the thyroid tissue. 
lupus can have a horrible sequencing. Um, and in some uh, lupus patients, it tends to attack the kidneys. So you'll see quite a bit of people with young um, kidney failure uh, from lupus. Um, so it's the body attacking the body um, and through a series of tissues. Um, lupus, people will have issues with their kidneys, lungs. Um, they'll have like what we call pleuritic chest pain. Um, some lupus people will develop heart issues. Um, so you'll see sequencing. Yeah. Um, so, so what was happening for you? So I actually had multi-system. Um, I had issues with my kidneys. Um, I had issues with pleurisy, uh, which is an inflammation of the pleural lining. Um, some heart issues as well. Um, I had some skin skin issues. So I was having like eruptions where the lupus actually was coming out into my skin. Um, I had aggressive like jaw deterioration. Uh, so my jawbone was actually being deteriorated. And it's interesting. I heard a case of her name is Joyce Hale. She's on Facebook. Oh, she's been on the show too. Yes. I love Joyce. Hi, Joyce, if you're listening. Yes. And so mm. she also had joint involvement. Um, and I teeth, my teeth were kind of, um, inflamed, deteriorating quickly, uh, eye involvement, um, dry nose, oh. dry mouth, just terrible, terrible sores. Oh in my, my gosh. Terrible. So, uh, yeah, so I had multi-system, so, uh, what's wow. it called, SLE. So, yeah. Wow. Jeez, that's a lot. And I mean... W- I, when I when I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, I already had fibromyalgia and chronic pain, and and I was obese and depressed and ang- you know, anxious, clinically depressed and anxious, and I was constipated and all these things, and that felt like a lot. And I remember when I was diagnosed with MS, I just thought, surely you're only allowed to get one thing, <laughs> you know? I know. Mm-hmm. Surely you're only allowed to get one thing. And when you listen to your your story, and this is this is. You know, again, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about a plant plant based eating is because when you listen to your story, it's it's more than anyone can take. Like just with your lupus alone, and you're talking about your skin's erupting, your organs, mass organs are failing, your jaws eroding, you've got sores in your in your mouth, your your jaws you know eroding, your kidneys are you know are failing, and your lungs and your your hearts struggling as well like that alone is so much for a person to carry and yeah you know that's why your story is so powerful because anyone listening when you think about having all of that wrong with you and then that's not including the diabetes that's not including the rosacea and the cystic acne that's not including the gastroparesis which sounds I'm going to get to that next because I'd, I'd never really heard of that either. I, par- I never heard about having a paralyzed stomach. And that's not including the Hashimoto's hypothyroidism and your, your thyroid being eaten away. All of that and then having and the, weight, and the weight gain and the back injury and the ACL, all of it, you could imagine – Many, many, many people just crumbling on the floor with all of that, the, under the weight of all of that and just never getting back up. Right. Uh-huh. So obviously I just want to point out that you're incredible. <laughs> you're incredible, Thank Shannon. You. <laughs> you're incredible. I'm giving you a million high fives. So 
before we talk about how you actually found the found that I guess resilience is a huge part of it, but found the resilience and the resourcefulness to navigate moving through this, the inner resourcefulness. I just want to just ask you to just explain more about about the gastric paresis. Paresis? Yes, uh, yeah, gastroparesis. So it translates to get a paralyzed stomach. So people, there are people that have autoimmune disorders that will develop it. Um, sometimes, uh, a lot of times with diabetics, they will get neuropathy, not only in their legs, their arms, um, but they will get neuropathy in their chest wall. So sometimes they won't feel chest pain. Um, and so they have to rely on other symptoms. But diabetics and other people with autoimmune disorders uh, can develop gastroparesis. And so it literally translates to paralyzed stomach. So when you eat something, it just doesn't go anywhere. And so um, I had, like, they do a gastric emptying study, and they have you eat a small amount of food, and then they take uh, images because that uh, will have, like, something that will show where the food was. And so even up to 18 hours later, I had only emptied, I think it was 10% of my stomach. And so it just doesn't function. It just sits there. And so with people that have gastroparesis, they can't eat um, because, or, you know, it would just stick there. My um, body would just say no and just, I would even just throw it right back up. And so um, they had debated about um, a gastric pacemaker. And unlike a heart pacemaker where they know it's more evidence-based and things like that, gastric pacemakers have, you know, somewhat good results in some people and not great results in other people. So it's a case-by-case basis. Um, A lot of people, what they have to do is have a feeding tube placed into their stomach while either a G tube, we call it, or a J tube. So it just it depends on what part of the digestive tract it goes into. Yeah. Um, I I had a feeding tube that was put down into my nose, um, and just to see if it would help. Um, I had IV feedings at some points, um, and it took. A, since I went plant based, I didn't. You know, in all that sequencing of the events. I actually lost a feeling. I had neuropathy, so I lost a feeling in my feet. Um, but I, when I was four years, yeah, so four years into my plant-based journey, I could acutely feel my feet, which was awesome. It was progressive, but I could not. I now can tell when my shoes are too tight, uh, which you know is a good thing. And yeah. then now um, I do eat smaller meals and I'm careful about the sequencing of things that I eat. Um, but I fully can eat and digest foods and I have no issues. So, yeah. That is incredible. So can I ask, in that initial you know, first two weeks to a month of going plant-based, number one, because you're eating these teeny tiny meals, actually I'm going to backtrack once more. So you found, I know, you found the diet and so then you started it, you started the diet. So for the fir- those first two weeks to a month, how, what did food look like for you and what were the first changes that you noticed? So I decided I just made the switch and just jumped right in and um, I actually went raw 
Um, so I just decided to do a raw diet because I had done a lot of research on it. And I knew that would be a great way for me to detox. So I w- I'll be honest, I tell everybody this. So I was eating sugar and all that stuff before I went plant-based. And so I was pretty miserable for about four days. Uh, I was just detoxing, you know, just detoxing, getting all the junk out of my system, um, you know, trying to beat all the cravings that I had because I love chocolate. I was even eating vegan chocolate at that time. Um, but I knew I, I needed to get rid of the cravings. So it took about four days. After the fifth day, so I headed into the fifth day, people will tell you that I was a completely different person. I was a bee on a broom up until that fourth night. And then I was reborn on day five. <laughs> and I just like my skin coloring improved. I slept better, the best that I've slept. My moods just dramatically improved as time went on. Um, I started smiling, you know, and I wasn't that big of a smile smiler because I was hiding a lot of like pain and things like that. Um, I just, I started noticing uh, a lot. And so I started dropping weight very quickly. Um, And so uh, people, and I, you know, everybody says, oh, Shannon, you're like so cute or whatever. And I never really felt that way when I was larger. But when I got down, especially as I was really trending down to weight loss, I like, I de-aged and like true beauty came out, you know, and um, so, uh, and it just like the thinking clearly all the time, like, uh, you know, you never have, um, your thoughts are just would come to me all the time. And I had, a, I would call it a slight lag um, of thought processing. Uh, and I have none of that now, like, you know, I'm totally, I felt yeah, like the depression just melted away, the anxiety melted away. I just, I really feel like I was that even at the one month mark, I was reborn. Just, it was like I was given the second chance and to totally become somebody else. Wow. So I know a lot of people when they have type 2 diabetes, they have to quickly check in, make sure they check in with their doctors early on because they can you know, they can require so much less insulin or no insulin so early in the piece that they can actually, you know, make themselves sick if they are taking the medication and no longer need it. I was just wondering how quickly your diabetes uh, reversed. Yeah, at one month, um, I went off all my meds and I was awesome. I uh, always have loved my doctor, my primary care doctor. So uh, they were really, really great about checking in with me, and I was giving them my numbers. And so they said, Shannon, just go for it, because we know that you're going to stick with it. And so I had, I think it was at the three-month mark, I had my hemoglobin A1C measured, and it was 4.8. So it had gone down from 6.4 to 4.8 very quickly. And so, yeah, I've not turned back. I've been off of no med. I've been on no meds at all for diabetes. The lupus meds I had actually, I did have a rebound flare 
um, in the detoxing period, but they told me that it was just, you know, it's just working its way out. It was much shorter than any flare that I've had, and I have had no flares since, and I completely came off of every lupus med at the six-month mark. Um, so I had I was on, I think, six at the time, and that's why off wow. all meds at six Congratulations. months. Congratulations. Thanks. I came off of, uh, I was on a lot of allergy meds because I was having a lot of allergic reactions to everything. Uh, I came off all of those completely at six months. I was just, you know, the one last one I came off of, I take nothing for that now. So I wanted to ask you about your food allergies. How did that go? Because you said you said that you're allergic to everything, but obviously you needed some food in your stomachs to stomach to to survive. So what were you able to eat? So I was diagnosed with uh, before going plant based with a lectin and a pectin allergy, which was predominant. Everybody knows lectin allergies, but pectins are a lot of fruits. Um, so I hadn't eaten a piece of fruit in, I think, two years, maybe even two and a half years. Um, and so I would, uh, from my office, three door, three buildings down was my allergist. And so I would go to the fruit market at lunchtime, buy a new piece of fruit, and I would go down to her office and get hooked up in her office with all of their, she had all this critical care stuff um, when they were doing food challenges and um, I would hook myself all up and uh, eat the fruit. It was like when you haven't been able to eat a piece of fruit and you get a piece of fruit, it's like the sweetest thing ever, you know, like it was awesome. And so um, we were able to figure out what I truly can't have. Um, and it's very, very little. Uh, the most interesting thing is uh, cauliflower. So you can't have cauliflower. What other fruits can't you have? Okay, so fruit-wise, I actually pretty much eat every fruit. Kiwi, I don't eat kiwi. And then vegetables, I am careful with, like, cooked tomatoes, you know, because I do get joint pain from them. Um, and I don't eat eggplant. Um, I do get joint pain from eggplant. And then cauliflower. I, cauliflower causes me to have more gastric oh, okay. distress. Yeah. Okay. So you went raw vegan. So we added all those foods back in that you weren't comfortable eating. Yeah. So I went raw. I was raw from August to, I want to say December 1st. Um, and it just was getting, I was cold. Um, so I wanted some hot foods and, um, I, I'll be honest, I felt the absolute best being as raw I and mean, I do feel the best being as raw as possible but um I wanted you know to integrate more of my family into going plant-based and so I needed to add cooked foods um and so I just started experimenting with lots of cooked foods and along that way I was glad that I had joined the plant-based nutrition support group so PBNSG um, I started going to their monthly meetings, and they hosted a lot of amazing speakers. Um, I think it was in February of the following year, I became the director of small group, and so I helped start the small groups. You know, it got to where I've been to over, I think, 150 small group meetings. I would go to, yeah, I would travel every day. I loved it so much. It was thriving. 
and it was because it was a social support for me. And so I was able to teach people. And then when you heal others, you, you heal yourself. And so by helping and meeting people and gaining more social supports, I um, was just thriving. It was just awesome. So, yeah, and I did that until um, 2018. I handed the reins over, and it's because I um, had just completed a divorce, um, and I, I wanted to go back to school. And so I knew I wanted to complete my bachelor's of science in nursing. So I knew I needed more time to, you know, help my uh, lead my family after the divorce, go back to school. And I have since I did graduate. Um, I'm now in a master's. Congratulations. Thank you. And I'm in a master's of science in nursing. Congratulations. That's incredible. Yeah, and so they are doing good. I think they have, I think, 36 small groups now um, all over the state of Michigan. So I am very proud to say that I was yeah, a part of that. That's such an incredible organization. And the work that Paul's doing with PBNSG is really exciting. I'll put a link for everyone in the show notes so they can head along to a PBNSG group and meet some wonderful people and learn some incredible information. Okay, and so how does life look now for you after all of what you've been through? I just have such a new, different life. It's amazing. Like, uh, I never would have had these opportunities if I hadn't, you know, taken my health into my hands and made some choices because as it was, like, you know, God love all my doctors, but they just, you know, give you medications. And, you know, you take a dog to the vet, vet's office and the dog will say to you, one of the first things, what are you feeding the dog? But our doctors don't do that for us. They just don't, you know, and they're just like, you know, they don't want to ever touch that. So I um, was happy that with PBNSG, I did speak to the medical schools at several of them. But anyway, so what is my life like now? I have an amazing life. I really do. Uh, a lot of people on Facebook will always tell me that, or when I meet them, uh, they'll say that. Um, so I uh, left the hospital setting two years ago. Uh, I worked in the same healthcare system for 31 years. Um, so two years ago, I had an opportunity uh, that presented them that itself, and I just couldn't pass it up. Um, so I'm a clinical educator for a company called Abisher. Um, and it's a medical device company that has a product that is uh, remote safety monitoring for patients in the hospital setting. Uh, I travel weekly um, across the United States. So I fly out every Monday. I fly home every Friday. Um, so if I wasn't plant-based and I took this job, it would be very stressful and very hard. Uh, but everyone you, will tell you that I'm whimsical, I'm very laid back, um, I get along with everybody. So not only am I flying out in, um, on all this time, in my off time, I explore uh, and meet people that are plant-based or vegan. So I'll post in a lot of Facebook group pages, say, hey, I'm going to be in Orange County next week, um, come and meet me. Uh, or where can I find plant-based or vegan food? And so I have met some of the most incredible plant-based people across the United States. Just like some super cool stories. 
Um, and a lot of people on Facebook friend me because I am a healthcare provider. Um, and so it's a rarity, but it's becoming less rare that healthcare providers are plant-based or vegan. Um, and so I get a lot of people that say, hey, if you're ever in Austin, come and have uh, lunch with me or whatever. And so I've met just some so remarkable people across the United States and have eaten. And um, I love a challenge. So I love going to restaurants. Even I tend to narrow it down to vegan first restaurants. So then you never have to worry. But I've been in the back of 12 kitchens so far. People just invite me back and say, hey, can you teach me how to water saute? Or, hey, um, I see that, you know, you have all these challenges. Why don't you come and talk to me about it? I've been in some steakhouses where we've had client dinners. And I'll call ahead and say, here, here's all my restrictions. And the manager and the head waitress at a very popular steakhouse in this one particular area wow. were both plant-based. And it was funny because here they are, they're in a steakhouse, but they got to make money. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's got to make money. Yes. And so they were like, Janet, come and uh, talk to us all about this stuff. And I love it. Like I went into Weber Grill in Chicago and they invited me back in the kitchen. So I taught them how to water saute zucchini. And yeah, so it's been cool. And I'm very easygoing and laid back. I meet people very quickly. And um, so I talk about being plant-based and vegan all around that the United States incredible. now. So. Yeah, so it's like super cool. So where can people follow you and find you and chat with you in person or chat with you online? Where can they find you? So the, my main platform, I have to say, is Facebook. Um, it's just easy to access uh, me on there. And so I love meeting people online. Do you have a group or a page, Shannon, or just your personal profile? No, nah, just my personal profile. I have a page. I, have, I don't do much with it because of time-wise. Then the second place is my heart nurse is my Instagram. Yeah, so my heart nurse, M-I-H-E-R-T nurse. M I H R T. Yes, so it's like ah, Michigan. Michigan's abbreviation. Yep, that's my Instagram. And uh, I just set up a TikTok because I'm a really big fan of it. Uh, I think it's just so <laughs> funny. Uh, um, and it's just... Yeah, really so what do you do funny. on their dance moves or recipes? No, I actually post just uh, looking at people. So I've only posted two videos. I go on there more to look at it. But I am going to get more into the, you know, posting videos. Um, I just, yeah, I think it's, it's really super cool. cool. It's really exciting. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with me today and hopefully everyone who's listening as well and i really like i i guess one the one of the last things i just want to mention before we wrap things up with your three biggest tips for anyone wanting to go plant based and that would be just for people who you know when you're in i don't know but for me in my personal experience when you're in that really dark place where everything feels hopeless and your health feels kind of hopeless what was the thing that really lit that fire in you to to try this 
What really lit the fire in me is that I wanted to change. I wanted it for me. Um, and I knew I needed to change. And um, when I lost my dad at the age of 60, uh, he'd be gone 15 years uh, so suddenly. And he passed away five months after having a heart bypass surgery. And so I set my goal as outliving him. Um, and so I knew I had to make a change. Um, and I wanted to live for my children. One of the things that I'll tell you, this actually is something that just recently happened. Um, my former spouse passed away 14 days ago, so two weeks ago today, suddenly, um, while on vacation with our children in Florida. Um, he was just 49. Oh, my gosh. That is just so young. His exact cause of death is undefined. Yeah, so it's very young. And so now when I look back at the choice I made to change is I'm so thankful that I did that because I now have to lead my children um, as a single parent for the rest of their life. So it's a big Burden. How old? How old are your children? Uh, they're twenty oh and twenty-two. Gosh, still, that's so young to lose your dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were with them when he had a sudden cardiac arrest. The one um, thing that I always tell people is one: always make sure you do it for you, and then focus on you. And number two is um, get social support. Even there's amazing Facebook groups. If you can't find something like PBNSG um, where you live, um, but please like check out meetups, um, you know, just Google plant-based or vegan meetups or events. Um, there's a lot more out there than people know um, because most of the time what happens is most people um, give up on lifestyle changes due to social support. I think the statistics are very high, like 90%. And so find social support because I came home and said, hey, I'm going to change. And my former spouse had no plans on changing his lifestyle. Um, and so it got to be at certain points. And I know there's people out there that will identify this. I was made fun of, got questioned, even some sabotaging attempts. But I had to stick with what my vision was, and that was to live. And I mean, not only just to live, I wanted to fully live and completely live. And that's what I do now. So don't give up on your goal. Find other sources of support yes. for you. Number three. Number three is is if you, you know, have an error, you make an error, maybe you eat a piece of chocolate that had some sugar in it or something, view it as a sidestep not a backstep. And the reason why I tell people that is we live in a society of all or nothing. So people will embark on lifestyle or in lifestyle changes. And so they'll have one miss up, one misstep and it's just over. It's over. Just view it as a sidestep. It's a learning process and just keep moving forward. Forgive yourself for that. Just forgive yourself and then keep moving forward. Cause so many people can't and they just view it as a mess up and you know what if you have a bad day tomorrow do better you know and when you're going through this as well start you know, you'll start understanding what your triggers are so for somebody with like eating disorder binge eating disorders things like that you know like for me um like chocolate 
if I have chocolate, even if it's vegan chocolate, I have to answer to it for about three days. So I have three days worth of create cravings. So I know now it's just a no, you know, like no. And I love Chef AJ for that. She talks about how even with vanilla, if it has alcohol in it, she knows that that alcohol that's in the vanilla will trigger her. And she has to answer to it for days and days. So just, you know, forgive yourself for having a sidestep and just get back on it. And the fourth thing I'll say, I'll add a bonus, because I worked in cardiac rehab, is our bodies are made to move. Um, so we should incorporate movement every day. So, you know, maybe getting 10 more steps the next day. Or, you know, there's amazing YouTube videos out there that are anything from chair fitness um, to cardio dance. Have a dance party. Every day, maybe have a 20-minute dance party. Just Zumba, whatever, you know, you want. Yeah, I really love yoga with Adrian. if anyone's yes. listening. She, yeah. she has a gorgeous blue healer, and I love watching yeah. them together. They're so cute. Yes. Uh-huh. And she has all different levels. You know, if you're like some days, some days if I'm feeling really tired, I just do a short one that's really gentle, like five minutes. Yes. Uh-huh. You know, if I have longer then I have more energy, I'll do, you know, a half hour or 45 minutes or whatever. But it just there's, there's one for every level of fitness and ability of her workouts. And that's the same across the board yeah. with all the different work, workout styles that you enjoy. There's always something that's suitable to your level of fitness where you are. Yeah. I mean, even like yoga breathing and things like that. And there's just so many cool things out there. Like do yoga with me.com is awesome. Um, that has awesome clips on it and, you know, and yes, men can do yoga and I've known some just fierce men that do yoga and thrive. Uh, so it's just a great release. Oh, that's so, yeah. awesome. Thank you so much, Shannon, for coming on the show. Yes, thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed hearing Mm -hmm. your story. And, yeah, I just am so glad that you're out on the other side doing this work, connecting with people, spreading the good word, teaching people how to water saute at restaurants because you are helping so many other people who will be going to those restaurants and those places and are like, oh, can you saute in water? And they're like, actually, yes, we can, (laughs) you know? Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You're doing such an incredible job. So thank you so much for all that you do and spreading the word and supporting everyone to learn more about plant-based eating and sharing your incredible recovery story. It's been an absolute joy talking to you and meeting you. So, yes, thank you for coming on the show. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. That's great. I'll see you soon. Another episode down the track, I'm sure. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Shannon, for coming on the show. Thank you all so much for listening. Please be safe out there. Please take care of yourself and others and meditate. Do everything you can to lower your stress response, to nurture your body with plant, beautiful whole plant foods. Treat yourself Adopt as much self-care practices as you can within your work frame and your family life and your resources and love yourself. Now, my women's circle that I mentioned last week, this is starting really, really, really soon this week. So if you wanted to join, that is 20, it's four months, so four times a month at the new moon, on the day of the new moon, wherever your country is. It starts on the 24th of March here 
and it's at 7.30pm Melbourne time. You can join for $25 a month, but it's in bulk because we're doing the journey together for four months. There's only, yeah, as I said, very limited spaces because it has to be enough for us to get around in the time frame to have all give each woman a time to share and be heard and seen. It's a beautiful space if you want to grow community and connection or support to meet more women, to really grow your self-worth by witnessing other women. And when you start to extend love and compassion to other women and see them, really see them and their, and any in humans in general, but any, when you really see humans and acknowledge and accept their fallibility and their flaws and all the parts of them, the anger, the sadness, the grief, the loneliness, the the learnings that they're going through and really accept that everyone's on a journey and we might not, we, none of us are ever going to arrive. It's never going to happen. We're all on a journey and so just forgiving and accepting and being loving as much as possible and asking what I loved about the last conversation I had after this recorded was I was speaking to Shannon about the death of her children's father, which happened only two weeks before this episode was recorded. And I think I was in a, a, a rush, a rush to to finish the recording because I had another interview straight afterwards, but also because I'm still learning how to navigate the dialogue around death and dying. And I, I wasn't sure about the relationship dynamic and I didn't want to say too much in case she was, it had been very a volatile or difficult marriage end and maybe she didn't want to talk about the death, his death, so I didn't want to raise it and then get in a bit of a tangled mess around too much invasive questioning or things. So I didn't mention it, but we we spoke at the end and she we were talking about navigating death and dying and we talked more about this loss for her. At Seven Sisters, I went to a death and dying and ceremony workshop death, dying and ceremony. And one of the things that I was taught to kind of say instead of, I'm sorry for your loss or, oh, my God, it's so sad or I'm sure that they're resting in peace now or things like that that we're kind of taught to to say, which aren't like bad or good in, they're not, you know, they can stop conversation from naturally flowing for the person who's grieving or not grieving or has lost a person in their lives. And one of the things that they said that I found beneficial was just to say, how is it for you rather than, I'm sorry for your loss. If they tell you someone died, just saying, oh, how is that for you? And I found that really helpful because it means that that person can say, oh, it's horrible and hard and I'm struggling and I can't get out of bed and it's awful. Or perhaps they could say, oh, my gosh, that guy was a real jerk and I didn't love him and he was such a horrible father and I'm glad that he's out of my life or mother or friend or oh, whoever or a whole spectrum of emotions that come with losing someone it's or anger or you know whatever it is that they're feeling they can actually express without us assuming that it's grief that they're feeling because it may not be. At the end of this episode Shannon said one of the questions that she articles that she read on this subject um, by A. 
Ariana Huffington, she, I think this is who she said it was by, um, was asking the question, how can I love you more? How can I love you more through this? You know, and that can be for anything. Like when someone gets redund- made redundant, how can I love you more? When they get the coronavirus and they're in isolation, how can I love you more? You know, it's, it's a question that allows someone to say, or people may not know how they need to be loved more, but I, I really liked it as a question and then you can listen. Maybe they'll say, I really need some dinner. I'm really hungry but I'm too sad or tired or, you know, unwell to cook. And that's the one way you can love them more. They might say, I just need you to, to let my head rest on your lap while we watch some Netflix and chill without the chill part. And that, maybe with the chill part, and that might be what they need. Or they may say that they need some, you know, sensual comfort from you. Or they may say that they need, you can love them by giving them a massage or a foot rub. Or they, you know, they may not know, many time alone. But at least it opens a dialogue. It, gives, it creates a space to let them tell you what they need, which I really, really loved. How can I love you more? If you're listening, how can I love you more? Send me a message and tell me, what do you need from me? Is there anything I can do for you? Any questions that you have or anything? I'm always happy to answer. And I would love to, yeah, to ask that question to you all and have you think about it this week. How can the people around you love you more? And if I can love you more in any way, let me know. I do feel such a strong love for everyone who listens um, and appreciation and I hope that this podcast is helping and, yeah, I look forward to seeing you next week for a non, non-vegan non related. I'm just interviewing a woman who I find really inspirational and I wanted to chat with and I'm going to be doing more of that because I think that vo- women's voices and men's voices, I'm not saying that they're only going to be women, but voices of wonderful, inspirational people who have incredible, do incredible work in the world need to be heard and shared. So this space is going to flow and there'll be more stories of recovery and more doctors and more nutritionists and more plant-based stuff. But I also want in woven in there the opportunity to, to discuss topics and work that I find really beneficial and I've, that have helped me in my life or that I I'm just fascinated and curious by that I hope and think that could maybe help humanity or the animals or the planet in some way. So, yeah, I hope that you'll come along for that ride with me. Next week I'm speaking to a poet, a writer, a speaker, an artist, a women's rights advocate. She is incredible and I'm so excited for you to hear her words. So, yeah, I'll see you then. Bye. Bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunny 